0: Look at all of this research I did for an episode that we never recorded. Oh my gosh. Imagine if I put this much work into the ones that we did record. We
1: We have been on hiatus for a while. Um, Welcome back, everyone. So I wanted to... It's kind of
0: not really a game, but it's got elements of the game. Okay. um, Because I wanted to talk about a new neighbour... That I'm getting at some point early this year. Um, Salt Bay <gasps> is coming to London. What? And the restaurant is quite close. And this is, this is our way in. This is how we get the celebrity guests that we've always wanted. So we can finally go toe to toe with Jack Whitehall. <laughs> our true nemesis <laughs> is if we're always hanging around, we should go. We should go. I've been waiting for it to open. I looked up today when it was going to open and they said December 2019, but the boards are still up. Frustrating. (sighs) I really recommend Peter Crouch's second memoir which is called iRobot and it came out quite recently (laughs) and there's a really funny section in it about where footballers eat and it's like there was once only Nobu, and then it became Novikov and I feel like Salt Bay has really joined the pantheon of acceptable places for a footballer to be seen
1: oh so what is needed in a restaurant for a footballer to want to go there great expense. Right. It has to be the most expensive place. I see.
0: While simultaneously being extremely simple.
1: Ah, okay. So
0: it can't be too high concept. So none of your sort of foamy, foamy, spitty sauces. I could not discuss with you at length the Danish league, but I guarantee none of them are eating at Noma. They're all flying out to Dubai (laughs) to eat at Nazrad. Um, footballers (gasps) love salt bay they love getting that photo taken with salt bay they love the meat masculine it's very masculine (gasps) isn't it so I don't know how they manage because Nobu I would imagine is quite an emasculating place Yeah, because it's fish which is not as masculine as meat so meat really fits the bill perfectly Mm -hmm. and particularly meat that's carved with a big knife in a particularly masculine way to celebrate um Nuzret arriving in London, I wanted to run you through some Daily Mail headlines of when footballers have paid a visit to the numerous Nusrats that already exist everywhere footballers holiday, namely the two places footballers holiday, Miami and Dubai. (laughs) So I'm going to just run through some headlines and you're going to tell me which ones I've made up because there are a few plants Oh, we're back to an old favourite concept. I'll start with a relatively easy one. Um, Romelu Lukaku films Salt Bay Experience with Anthony Marichal whilst Manchester United is on Dubai Retreat. True. It's absolutely true because if you went to Nazareth and you didn't film it with the caption, like, Fuego, or like, (laughs) Bro... From the reviews that I've read, the food is not necessarily the reason <laughs> why you're going to Nasrat. I think it's, I think, because the meat is so expensive, so it's good quality meat. Yeah. But
1: what sort of sides do they have there? Is it like potatoes and spinach? Is it like rice? Should we go find out when it eventually We're going to go.
0: When we're going to go. We're going to record a podcast in Nazareth over lunch. We'll do a, that can be our first location podcast.
1: Perfect.
0: Okay. Neymar embarrassed after forgetting keys to $500,000 custom Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon at Salt Bay's Miami restaurant. False. I did make that up. Yeah. It has all of the elements. It does. Of a great Salt Bay story. Karim Benzema enjoys a lavish steak dinner cooked by Salt Bay whilst nation starves. <laughs> false.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the Real Daily Mail headline is... Venezuelan President Maduro enjoys a lavish steak dinner cooked by Salt Bay, whilst nation
1: stars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is not funny.
1: I mean, Benzema has a bigger heart than the Venezuelan president. I think that's true, but I don't think that's
0: necessarily the glowing compliment that you you mean it to be. I believe it to be. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang shows off £100,000 worth of Cartier jewellery eating at Salt Bay's Dubai restaurant. I'm going to say true. That is, of course, the inspiration <laughs> for the earlier um, Neymar headline. Because it has all the makings of a classic Salt Bay headline. It does. If you don't wear £100,000 of Cartier jewellery to a Nusrat, you won't even get served. So what is the point of even going?
1: Yeah. How, how are we going to get a table?
0: So this is the thing. I think we're going to have to go in deep disguise. Right. Okay. If you haven't guessed already, we're trying to get Nuzrat to sponsor our podcast so that we can record here. So spread the word.
1: Welcome to Radio 110. I'm Tamara. And I'm Livy. So we've been on hiatus for a while, haven't we? We've been
0: regrouping. We've been on our winter break. And much like Klopp's Liverpool, we are determined not to break it. That's actually what I'm going to be discussing. I don't know if that's too quick a lead-in. We can just dive right in. Yeah. With the news that tomorrow, on Tuesday the 4th of February... Liverpool, in their FA Cup replay, will be fielding the under-23 team, led by manager Neil Critchley, as they did in the Carabao Cup tie when they faced Aston Villa. And none of the first team, nor Jurgen Klopp, will be attending the match. So Klopp decided that this was going to be the case ahead of time. And after shrewsbury drew with liverpool Toole in their first meeting he slightly looked a bit sour grapes during the post-match comments and stated immediately that the winter break would be being observed and that they'd he'd already promised them the break and some of them have booked time away no doubt miami and dubai <laughs> Imagine what would happen to the concepts of Miami and Dubai if the Liverpool players weren't allowed to maintain their winter break. Economies would collapse. Exactly, and that's clearly something that Jurgen Klopp is really concerned with.
1: Absolutely.
0: Charmingly, um, the Shrewsbury manager um, said that They could have won the game, but the lads wanted to go to Anfield. Which I think is just, that should have been the story the whole time, instead of Jürgen Klopp defiantly saying that the winter break is the winter break. It's all been agreed upon. So if the FA can't observe it, then he's going to put on the under-23s, and Mm -hmm. that's the end of that. But the winter break, and... The Guardian made a really good point about this. The winter break, the laws are not laws, but the enforcement around games not being played during the winter break is to stop, you know, lucrative club friendlies and right. exhibition matches and matches held in Saudi Arabia and things like that rather than FA Cup replays, which are basically inevitable if you schedule FA Cup matches before a winter break. There have been replays at every stage of the FA Cup since it was founded so it wasn't meant to include FA Cup replays and the FA wrote a letter at the beginning of the season saying that FA Cup replays were likely going to happen during the winter break at the beginning of the season so everybody has known that Mm. it's a possibility So to act like it's an affront to players' free time is a little insensitive because this is the most exciting match for Shrewsbury. It's going to net them over £100,000 to have this replay. Wow. Which for a League One team means a couple more, you know, pitches moan and lights assembled and all those sort of good-hearted things that I'm sure bring a tear to your corny eye. Oh, yeah. And... You know, that's obviously nothing to Liverpool. But it does... I understood when they had the really quick turnaround. I think it was a day between the Club World Cup final, which they were playing in Qatar. Sounds about right. The day after the Aston Villa tie. That's unfortunate. That's like really unfortunate scheduling. Field the team, you know give give the under twenty threes the chance to play, watch them be defeated five nil by Aston Villa, fine. But I think that Liverpool are doing this because all they want to do is win the Premier League. And if they yeah. can pick up the Champions League on the way to that, that's wonderful. But it's just it's so it's so wet. They have an amazing team of quality, like two or three players per position deep. It's such a strong team. They're 22 points ahead in the Premier League. Mm. You know, it's being played at Anfield. They already played the pothole game at Shrewsbury (laughs) that could have led to people falling over and breaking an ankle. (laughs) Just, is Klopp afraid of taking it seriously and then not winning the FA Cup? Is it a case of... Him in that in that in that case doesn't mean that the players weren't trying when they drew two all because that seems incredible and if they if he's not invested in that what does that mean for the FA Cup generally how are Premier League teams supposed to invest in the FA Cup if the leaders don't take it seriously it becomes a less prestigious trophy
1: I mean I think it's quite interesting how. Um, how dominant Liverpool have been and it's almost, I, yeah, I'm not sure it's sort of healthy really for the Premier League to be so dominated by this one team. I mean, I suppose it's a bit like Manchester City a couple of years ago when um, when they were winning everything. Maybe this being so far ahead and just in in the Premier League makes you feel like you can sort of get away with anything or not get away with anything, but just you know you'll just do what you like yeah i agree completely yeah. it's but then the funny thing is
0: is in his post-match comments after the premier league game played this weekend against southampton klopp was doing the whole modest we're not a perfect team we're not close to perfect and it's like i know you don't want to be The asshole who is like we're the best team in the world, and Mm. then at the final hurdle you fall. Yeah, but to diminish the clear quality of Liverpool head and shoulders above everyone else, and play the the modesty thing, is like distasteful and weird. It is quite weird. I'm a self-deprecator. Yeah, like but it's another world of self-deprecation.
1: But then it's also like almost fake. Like, I think that's the that's sort of the worst part is that it's kind of like that fake self deprecation where actually you're using it because, you know, you want people to realise how good you are or how sort of how brilliant how leagues ahead of everyone you are. To make it a more humble victory mm. as well. To
0: make it an underdog story of, you know, Liverpool finally winning the Premier League, which they've never had before, instead of this fantastically assembled team, fantastically coached, that all play so cohesively together. Yeah. On a different kind of tactical and skill level, winning a trophy, that's not as inspiring a story. And even the fans are over it. Even the fans are like, we're going to win. That's so exciting.
1: Yeah.
0: You don't want to always, you know, at
1: 22 points, how much are they going to fuck up? Who have they got left to play? I mean thing is is that yeah there would have to be something really colossal go wrong because it is a perfect combination an excellent coach who understands his team the team itself and then just maybe like a bit of luck or a bit of their time has now come that kind of thing and just i just think this you know maybe it doesn't happen very often that you get these teams that kind of really Start to kind of break away from the sort of rest of the, you know, even the other sort of the second or third. Mm. Like, I don't think it happens very often. I mean, the only one I can think of is Manchester City. But even, Recently, even that is went tighter. Yeah, a little bit tighter. I mean, still quite worried.
0: Fact checkers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but Pep is very upset that, um, well, that one team is dominating. Fraudiola, and it's not his. <laughs> exactly, because he said he was like it was bad when Manchester City was dominating, and it's bad now when Liverpool. It makes for a less healthy game, and I think that's true. But I also think that you can't really use it to your advantage. And then a few years later, when it's not, exactly. it doesn't work for you. You complain about it, and at the time, he was he was kind of fighting back on other managers and owners who were saying how. Um, I think his name's Scudamore or something.
0: Richard Scudamore, yeah. Scudamore,
1: that's it, who was saying how awful it was. And Pep was like, "Mm, "Where's the game.
0: And now he can play sackcloth and ashes. Exactly. He's losing to Tottenham of all all the scum (laughs) of the earth. I think for a team of Liverpool's stature, great that they've won the Club World Cup. But why not push for more trophies in an impressive way, you know, by winning a range of trophies. That, that's Ooh. so exciting. And yes, they could still win the Premier League and the Champions League. That is totally doable based on their squad. It will, I guess, come down to a case of who their opponents are in the Champions League. But I really, I could see them getting to a Champions League final. But Man United already won the treble of Premier League, Champions League and fa cup in 1999 Mm. it's not a completely irregular thing in terms of fa and league cup whether that's league cup or premier league seven teams have won at chelsea with the seventh team in 2010 and then there's the much less um prestigious unfortunately um uh domestic treble which manchester city won last year and they called themselves the um the four Mid-Arbs because they were the, um, they won four trophies, but one's the community shield, so who gives a shit? <laughs> but they're the four Mid-Arbs. Instead of the Invincibles, oh. they're the four Mid-Arbs. But oh. it's not, um, you know, it's not out of the question that you could push yourself in a range of competitions. Sure, don't push yourself in the Carabao Cup, whatever. Mm. The FA Cup has a different sort of prestige that I think should be maintained. I'm very pro FA Cup. And the haters will say that since Chelsea plays the opponents of Shrewsbury versus (laughs) Liverpool, I kind of don't want Liverpool to sack it off because then it makes our eventual win much less prestigious. But my prediction, by the way, was Chelsea finish sixth with an FA Cup win. So watch this space.
1: Really? Do you think Chelsea is going to win the FA Cup? That
0: was what I wanted from this season. I didn't think they would make Champions I didn't think they would be fourth for such a long time <laughs> I didn't think they would make Champions League football next year touch wood they will but this was when there were two transfer bans even though they transfer banned themselves in the last window uh, um, yeah. but this is when they were looking at two transfer bans which they actually did do anyway whatever and so I thought why not win the FA Cup my final word on FA Cup replays until 1991, there were unending replays. It would just replay and replay, even in the final, and replay until there was a winner. But they'd changed that rule after a fourth round tie between Arsenal and Leeds was replayed three times. And they thought, I can't watch this fucking boring game of football anymore. Let's <laughs> change the rules, make it one replay, and then penalties after that.
1: Oh, I see. Oh my but God, replay, so you can just keep keep doing it
0: yeah 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 replays I replays are good for lower league teams because of the added revenue okay that's why we have the replays because I was like the replays are stupid just have yeah. penalties because we're of that Instagram generation you know we can't focus on an entire other match at football we just want penalties exactly instant gratification
1: yeah and to be on our ph- phone the whole time
0: the whole time <laughs> but replays are good
1: replays are good to make things more international guess what happened over the weekend what happened over the weekend so after his epic birthday parties in 2015 and 2018 (laughs) where there were various south american presidents and dare i say it dictators um invited was maduro there as well (laughs) (laughs) well his nation starved neymar promised that he would not have a party this year but he couldn't resist he couldn't bloody resist he's like me he claims to hate birthdays he couldn't resist even after 2015 when he had a party and then the next day was late for training neymar this year said, no, 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 I'm over that, it's my 28th birthday, I won't have a party. And then did have a party, and they were playing today. Doesn't him being 28 make you feel like the biggest loser in
0: the entire world? Yes, (laughs) completely.
1: (laughs) But their coach was really not very happy about it, and said that um, it was a distraction from the game, and refused to go. Although he said that was because he was the coach and so it wouldn't be right for him to go and not a personal attack on Neymar. Is that your excuse for not going to? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it wouldn't be right as if a, I'd gone. As an outspoken critic of Neymar, it would be wrong for you to attend. Was there a theme? Um, so from what I could see via the outfits, and obviously I was not there, the theme seems to have been pastel. <laughs> Everybody, everybody was in pastel. And like specifically, maybe not even pastel, maybe like neutrals. Everybody was in either beige or baby pink. That's really chic. It was so chic. Neymar looked really great. He was wearing like a little hat, um, a little baby pink hat with oh a sort of God. matching like beige baby pink suit. So good. That sounds Horrific. <laughs> He looked great, him leaving, you know, bleary eyed at 3am. Excellent. I think, like
0: how we discussed that there are only two holiday destinations um, for footballers, there are only a handful of themed events that football players will throw. That's true. Which is why I'm thinking this theme is
1: either Scarface or <laughs> Miami Vice. <laughs> I think his party probably would have been Miami Vice in 2015 because that was the one that was held at the Cavalli Club in Dubai. Although actually that one, they were all in like top hat and tails. So I think maybe it was Moulin Rouge. I know what that was. That would have been Great Gatsby. Oh. And,
0: I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because Raheem Sterling's birthday party this year was Great Gatsby themed. Oh, for God's sake. That <laughs> is one of the rotation of footballers, party themes that I mentioned.
1: Oh my god, Great Gatsby,
0: 100%.
1: That is hilarious. Of course. Oh my God, of course it's Great Gatsby. Well, it certainly beats Maradona um, on his 58th birthday. He went out onto the pitch with the young team that he was coaching and he had his birthday cake in front of him and one of the players pushed his face down into the birthday cake, which I thought was... A little mean, because he's not the most dignified of men. And him there with cake on his face. Well, he can't have a Scarface birthday party, can he? No, I mean, that, I feel like, that would be too on the nose. Like, right on the nose. Right in the nose.
0: On the nose was when you made me the Chelsea cake last year oh my gosh that was so good i um i'm going to maybe put the cake on our instagram just so people can see it yeah
1: i think that's a really good idea it was really good that was such a good cake oh my god and just like <laughs> the lion just slightly sliding off the top <laughs> it was the sarri
0: year you know <gasps> things were so up in the air did you see sarri's juventus lost to napoli which is oh amazing Oh, my God. The Napoli banners were up in full falls. They called him a hunchback bastard.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ, they are not letting this go. And they also said some
0: very homophobic things,
1: too, which
0: was obviously I disapprove of. But classic Napoli oh not being able God. to let sleeping dogs lie. I think it's really impressive to see him be beaten at his former club. And I would love if that happened to Juventus at Stamford Bridge. I don't think that's the Chelsea story. <laughs> but one day. <laughs> I don't think we have the moral high ground in the same way that Napoli does. But uh, what I'm excited for is when Tottenham comes to Stamford Bridge. Because oh. then we get our own story. Oh,
1: course. Cool. Um... So, one last little thing about birthdays. Actually, no, it's quite boring. It's just that, well, I'll record it and then we can decide if it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, a footballer by the name of Ronaldo Nazario. Yeah. He was actually born on the 18th of September, but wasn't his birth wasn't registered till four days later and in Rio de Janeiro where he was born. You get fined if you don't register on the day. So his dad just said that he was born on the 22nd of September. And Nazario has had some pretty spectacular parties. And I think maybe it's out of insecurity at actually not really knowing when his birthday is.
0: You're right that is boring. It is boring. We're going to call that. That's what out. that's what happened no. <laughs> That's what happened. Really? He was born and then, because it was in the middle of nowhere.
1: Oh my God. He was driven
0: to hospital and then re registered. And then. Can't remember either birthday, but he didn't remember mine this year, so he's off my list. <laughs> he joined the notable scumbags that didn't remember my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> One of whom is
1: sitting with you now. <laughs>
0: no. So, my final piece for discussion is. This comment made by Chartered Management Institute head Anne Frank, not related, (gasps) who decided she wanted some attention by speaking out on the Today programme in aid of banning sports chat in the workplace. What? She said that sports banter can exclude women, lead to laddish behaviour, such as chat about sexual conquests. I would say all the chat that I've had about sexual conquests in the office has unfortunately never started by talking about football. (laughs) Um, she said, a lot of women in particular feel left out. They don't follow those sports and they don't like being forced to talk about them or not being included. I have nothing against sports enthusiasts or cricket fans, but the issue is many people aren't cricket fans. Miss Frank is concerned that discussing football and, for example, the merits of video assistant refereeing can disproportionately exclude women and divide officers. Yeah, it'll uh, disproportionately exclude this woman because... Talking about VAR is very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is such a strange gendered world that Anne Frank mm. is living in. I hate to say it.
1: That's so weird because what she's saying is, is also kind of technically misogynistic and, and sexist. It's extremely misogynistic and
0: I, I don't know, even if you are going to stick along the gender binaries and say that only men like talking about sport and only women like talking about shoes. (laughs) Shutting down conversation over a mutual interest in the workplace is bizarre. What else are people supposed to connect with?
1: It's so weird. Like Sport is one of those things that people have something to talk about. I mean, even if you don't follow a sport or you don't like it, that's still something to say. It's the perfect, it is the
0: perfect water cooler thing to talk about because you can have any sort of personality or perspective and you can discuss it in your own way and expect a response without feeling ostracised or like you have different taste. That's the thing about when you're making a cultural connection, that's a taste thing. It's really different Mm. to the opinions that you might disagree over with sport. It's much more of a pardon the pun, a level playing field <laughs> hey yeah shoot me <laughs> I am so annoyed that no one's ever tried to me tried to talk to me about sport no
1: <laughs> I know I actually think that like most of my colleagues are women and we do occasionally talk about sport but I I'd love to talk about it more I think maybe if if I if we worked in like a bigger in bigger companies, you probably would because sport is something that you connect with someone who maybe you don't really know that well and it's a good, it's almost like talking about the weather. You know, you can kind of connect with someone on on a level playing field um, about sport who you don't really know that well. Oh, it's just such a strange thing to Mm. say and I think
0: particularly when so much effort is being put into not only you know, kind of universalizing the fan experience and taking the focus away from, you know, the hooligan stereotype of a football fan who is getting more press because of a rise in racist and homophobic comments at football grounds. On top of the increased airtime for women's sports mm. and our successes in women's sport competitions, there are so many different things you can say to be like Anne Frank what the fuck. Anne Frank this is awful. It's awful to
1: call you Anne Frank. I know I don't like it. I
0: think it's (laughs) irresponsible parenting to call
1: a child Anne Frank. I know because surely she was not born before 1945.
0: With her (laughs) opinions she might as well have been born in 1845. (laughs) I think that's madness and luckily the response from most women asked for comment on the matter has been general outrage good and whilst obviously it's important to silence some voices those of Tottenham fans <laughs> um, it's that kind of thought policing generally is quite strange and it's the opposite of what the idea of i don't know even creating a safe space is supposed to be about it's not like let's protect the women because they feel excluded it's like no, why doesn't everyone make an effort to engage people on topics that they're interested in? Mm. We at work, um, two of my colleagues put together um, like a mini presentation on rugby before the Six Nations. And I didn't, I don't know anything about rugby. That's a political point that I'm making a stand. And so I, I didn't know anything. And, but it was, you know you just it's a connector to learn about things that maybe you weren't interested in like var Mm. and it was really sweet because they shoehorned in a lot of comparisons to football so that i would try and understand
1: oh didn't
0: work (laughs) but it was a valiant effort
1: that's sweet because i think it's also football is so nice if someone's very passionate about it then it's always easy to talk to them about it because you just ask them questions and they're happy and you're happy because you don't have to contribute to the conversation. That's why I do it. <laughs> Maybe we can't ask but otherwise they'll think it's a, it's a thing about me asking you questions when it's not. Thank you very much for listening. We're back. And now we're going on the winter break, so... <laughs> Bye! Jürgen Klopp (laughs) has said
0: that we won't uh, be recording for another four weeks, so... We're being replaced by
1: younger versions of ourselves. (laughs)